All right, what's up? Welcome to the Stella Fellow Podcast. If you are wondering what that music is right now, it is an EP that was created by my boy Andrew Holder. If you haven't checked him out, go to iTunes or Spotify, look up Andrew Holder, and check out the different albums that he's put together. He's a stud. Love him. Uh, he and I have done uh, some work together over the years, and he's also just a really good friend of mine. So check him out. He has created multiple songs for multiple things that I've done. And uh, dude is not only a great artist, but a bean roaster extraordinaire. Maybe the greatest bean roaster I've ever met in my life, face-to-face, in person, ever. So go check out Andrew Holder. Back to while we're here. So here's how this works. I will either have a guest on the show. I'll either have them in this what we call the studio, which is also just a back patio room that's been converted to a second living room, and or... I will have somebody on Skype. Sometimes it's a video. Sometimes it's just audio. Those are interview sessions talking about different things, whatever it is that person specializes in or how they work. And then we talk a lot about the church and about faith and about just culture in general. And like, what do we do about that as believers and as we just watch what the church does in America today? Or I go back and I will just read through a blog that I've done before and either rehash that. Sometimes I don't read those before I go back. Like sometimes it's been months since I've written it, and I'll go back and just read through it while we're doing this because sometimes it's funnier that way. Uh, Other times I probably should read through it a little bit more, and I'm scrolling through one now. So today we're talking about, I don't feel like a parent. I just feel like a grown-up who yells a lot. If you didn't read that one, you can find it under the family tab on stellofellow.com and scroll down, click it. It's got a angry face, a guy holding up a sign with an angry face. I get a lot of my pictures from Unsplash.com. If you haven't checked that out, it's another platform where it's a, it's an app and a platform and a social media that uh, photographers go and they share their work. But it is also a place where you as a consumer can download free quality work. And then if you use it, you can give that person a shout out. They give you the ability to copy a link to their uh, profile in their portfolio and work. That you can click on if you you can see our Christmas decorations are up. That's pretty exciting. Point is, great place to share your work, to find other people's work, to be able to share, to shout out, all that kind of stuff. It's just a cool, um, it's a cool place to be. So I've got some work up there as well. But as we talk today, we're jumping into being a parent, but actually just being a grown up who yells a lot. So I'm going to start reading this, and I'll probably jump off and, and talk a little bit. There was a point a few years ago when I looked at Ryan and I said, I don't feel like parents. Anymore, I just feel like grown-ups who yell a lot. I think I just wrapped up another great teaching moment with our daughter when the only way to help her understand or hear what I wanted to communicate was to turn the amp up to 11. If you've missed Spinal Tap, go back and watch it. It's quality film. Uh, it's a spoof biography about a hairband, and uh, it'll create quotes for you for decades. So if you missed that movie, go back and see it. The point is, life is stressful. We work a lot. Our kids are really busy, like, all the time. We're in nonstop sports, like, go mode, school mode, tumbling, baseball, football. Uh, I, I, what, everybody's busy, right? Like, you work, you have kids, and they do stuff. And you do stuff, and then everybody's doing stuff. <laughs> so it's, life is busy. Yeah, we, live, we live where we do today, and there's a lot that goes on. And so we're all typically running all the time just like you guys I'm sure are running all the time uh, the problem is like life seems to keep speeding up and our kids are getting older really fast uh, when we move back we move from Austin back to the Dallas area um, <clears throat> we're going on the fifth year that we've been back 
and Tanner was going into the fourth grade at that point. She's now an eighth grader. She's going to be in high school next year. Our son is older than she was when we moved back. And so he was, he finished kindergarten and then we came here and now he's a fourth grader. He did first grade twice and we put him in public school then we switched him and took him to private school. He's a uh, late May birthday. So he's really young. And so we just shifted and now he's uh, the, one of the older kids in his class. So it gave him another year to play ball, another year to stay home, another year to grow. Why? Because we're not big people. And he likes living at home. So it just gave him more time here. The point being, it's crazy to think that we only have another five years with our oldest kid in our home. And then probably our son's 10. So we probably got another eight. And depending on where they go to school, how that works, if they go to school, they, do they come back? What does it look like? But when you get done with high school, there's like there's a shift all of a sudden now. Hey, you're an adult. You can get a job. You can go to school. You can make some of the own um, of your own decisions. And like it's time for you to begin to do that. So we don't have a long time left. Uh, it's easy to say that in the quiet times when everyone is asleep and I can sit here and think about life and reflect on what is really important. Those moments uh, when I have time to consider what I really want to accomplish as a father, I can grasp all kinds of depth. It, like when you can sit down and it's quiet, it's like, you know, my Bible, I can read, I, or read, I guess I do read my journal some, but I can write in it, I can go back and read again, I can read things I've written before. When we travel, that's a time typically when Ryan and I formulate plans in the summer. Like we always take a summer trip, just the two of us, our kids go stay with our parents uh, and split some time. We take a trip. And it's the time for one that Ryan and I can connect in a way that we don't the rest of the year because of all the busy busyness again, just like all of you people. <clears throat> but that's what we do. Like we're like, okay, we're intentional and we're going to do this for this amount of time. It also is the time when we sit down, we read, we have discussions about the next season. What is it going to look like when you run a business together? We like we don't have a staff meeting, and we. It is a family-owned business. It's not a startup. We've it's been running for years, and at the same time. Because there's only three of us that work there, what we you can run as fast as you want. It's super light. So as far as like structure and meetings and all that kind of junk, you don't have to do a lot of that. But what we do have to do is like we have to be on the same page. And so that's a time that we can sit down and be on the same page and go, okay, the next semester looks like this. The next season looks like this. I'm focusing on X, Y, and Z, and you're focusing on what you always focus on because you're really good at it. And like what do we need to change? What do we need to like what do we need to give somebody else? Do we need to bring somebody else in? All of those things, that those are easy times to be able to sit and to think and have like deep thoughts. And man, this is what we really want. This is what we're trying to accomplish. Right now, this is an easier time. Like nobody's here. Everybody's at school. Ryan's at work. This is, these are my work windows when it's like it's quiet. And so it's easy for me to say that and to laugh and be like, yeah, I just feel like a grown up who yells a lot. It's a lot harder at 445 today when everybody's home, the Nerf balls are flying around, homework has to be done, chores haven't been done, the house is now a mess, Ryan's coming home, there's dishes in the dishwasher, the kids begin to fight, nobody's listening, I can't get anybody to eat fruit and vegetables at dinner, rather they want Oreos and ice cream and a Coke. I can't, well, I'm going to get you, like I'm, I'm going to lose one way or the other, like I'm going to say no and they're mad or I'm going to say yes and then she's mad and it's just a mess. So it's it's easier to say when it's quiet. When it, it, when real life starts moving and the noise levels rise, the fighting between the sibling begins, I'm reading again, the house is a mess, Nerf balls are flying, 
Things are getting broken. Drinks are left half empty, spilled. Chores are undone. Nobody's listening. Teenage daughters yell things like, I hate you and you're ruining my life. I tend to lose my mind. That's when I go bonkers. That's if you read Single Dad for a Week that I put out in maybe September. There was a moment one morning that uh, I fought the trash can. Good news is trash cans don't hit back. But we we kept him, and he's pretty dented up. It's funny, people walk in, they're like, what happened to your trash can? I'm like, well, you clearly didn't read that blog. So you can go back and check that one out, Single Dad for a Week. There's a picture of Trashy and how damaged he got in the middle of a teenage-slash-dad discussion. Teenager was not in the room. She went to get in the car. I shut the door and took a moment to express my frustrations to the trash can. Point is, how many times has my blood pressure spiked driving to school because I let my 13-year-old girl push all my buttons and then I reached my calm capacity four four minutes into the drive because she was stressed about being late to cheer practice? And yet she's five minutes early, like, every single day. I can't seem to handle, reading again, I can't seem to handle a 15-minute drive without going bananas when she's flipping out on me flipping out on me, but I want to. My intention always begins with prayer time with the kids. Daddy prays, I pray, and then Tanner refuses to pray about 98% of the time, and uh, then I begin to pray for calmness and the ability to not start yelling, but then we make it to the stoplight at the first intersection on our drive that takes roughly three to five minutes to make it to, and I've gone from calm, cool, collected dad to rage monster. I don't know if you can relate, but I'm honestly more embarrassed to share that broken part of me than I am to share about the eight years I spent being addicted to porn. That's odd. This is way more challenging uh, to put on paper. That is odd. I remember writing this and thinking this is harder to say than it was to write my story blog. If you've not read that one, you can go do that. Or if you've not watched one of those messages, you can. I'll, I'm going to put those links up as well so you can see those. I shared a couple times that got recorded in a message uh, that I was doing at a church. So I think the point is parenting is not an easy task. Regardless of your situation, raising another human is weighty. Just as you, when you leave the hospital, if you as a parent remember that moment, I'm sure you do. If you're not a parent, then you don't know yet, but you will know. It's one of those moments where nobody, like you can, I can tell you, and you're not going to know until you do it. And just like anything else, like you don't know how you respond to getting hit until you actually get hit. And like we can talk about it, we can discuss how it feels. You can have somebody that's a really creative writer that like expresses all the emotions, the feelings, the sensations that you have in the middle of getting punched, and still you don't really know until you get hit. You don't know what it's like to be responsible for another human being until they hand you the kid wrapped in a blanket with the little pink or the little blue beanie on. Those are so cool. And <coughs> and then they say, okay, put it in the car. It, like maybe they check the base of the th- they do they actually make you at least they did with us we had to put both kids in a car seat and had to sit there for x amount of time to make sure that like they could breathe right and everything was good nothing's going to happen it's kind of like the last moment of you've got formal professional oversight uh you being a parent and having a child when that moment's over and they go please leave and you clip the seat in the back and shut the door and you get in the car and you kind of look at each other like wait like this doesn't feel safe like I don't feel I remember that first moment it was like okay we drove down the highway I'm sure I looked like I was an 87 year old lady cruising in a caddy while I'm driving my truck home with our child for the first time 
and like the speed limit wise i don't mean i physically look like that i just i was not driving fast and i used to drive really fast all the time all of a sudden i got a kid now it's a whole new it's a different world it doesn't mean that your world changes it just means this is very very different which like that doesn't even make sense sure it does um like Ryan and I fought to make sure that we still did things like we still go on dates we still have intentional time together but life is different and and the did I say it's not different it isn't it isn't at the same time like we're driving to Austin a couple of weeks ago Ryan was working down there and so we decided last minute hey let's take the kids we got some friends down there we can meet them for dinner we'll stay in a hotel it'll just be a fun like down and back trip it's a one night thing and so it's a Saturday and we're headed that way and I remember that like we had had breakfast that morning with some friends and now we're driving to Austin and I got a message from uh, some friends of ours that are recently married and or maybe I don't their name came up and they had only been married a few weeks and I, and I looked at Ryan in their like early 20s and I was like what what if it was Saturday like our first year of marriage and it was a Saturday what would we be doing right now and it was like we like we <laughs> we probably just now be getting up and we'd probably go to the movies. We'd get some Taco Bell, and we might go to two movies and then watch a movie when we got home and eat some Cheetos and chili. It was and it was just funny to talk about the like the amount of time that was on our hands and the the lack of responsibility that we didn't even know that we didn't have. And like I'm not I'm not bagging on that. Like that's, those are great times. It's a time that you can really utilize. I like I do, I'm not responsible for another human breathing it's different and at the same time again it's not like we're the same people we still have the same like likes and dislikes and all those great things and and we still want we still have fought to live in a very similar fashion in terms like how our relationship works what we enjoy what we do and not that not preventing us from doing those things and at the same time we like we gotta you have to plan it different and there are times when yes this takes precedence over fill in the blank like i quit a job and moved away from a town and moved back here because we have a kid it, that like there were, there were three big reasons and that was the biggest reason and so yeah like so there's a weight to it and from day one until i mean i realize i'm standing there after tanner was born and i'm looking in the nursery area as they're working on her and it, i distinctly remember the moment and going this this sense of like worry will never go away like we're now here and life will never be the same in terms of the thought process and i will always have some kind of concern worry care fill in the blank all those things that will always be there whether i'm 25 is when we had tanner when i'm 35 when i'm 45 when i'm 85 I, I like the last moments I think we'll still have that concern of I like I hope they're going to be okay and yeah like you've got that I mean I gotta trust Jesus God loves them more all this yes I get that and at the same time it's there it's a weight that will never go away it won't and oh, where am I at we're off track I realized that moment that it wasn't gonna go away yeah, fast forward 13 years and I still have no idea what I'm doing so here we go. So what do I try to do? I listed five things that we try to do. The first thing that we try to do, or number one that I listed, is we try to have as much fun as we possibly can. We have tried to live with this concept of say yes anytime we can say yes. Like we say no enough to our kid, uh, especially our older one. 
their unique personalities, all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, and at the same time, anytime we can say yes, that's what we do. Example, this week, I like I'm hard and fast on, hey, we're not setting up for Christmas before Thanksgiving. That's a Christmas tree. The rest of the house is decorated as well. It's not Thanksgiving yet. That's next week. Point is, the, the house lights aren't done yet. That's going to happen uh, either today or tomorrow. The point is, our kid asked us on Saturday. Tanner was like, hey, I really want to put up the decorations tomorrow. Like, that would, like it makes me really happy when decorations are up, and it's just something I really want to do. No reason other than, like, it's just something I really like to do. And this is a silly example, but at the same time, my normal answer would be, no, it's not Thanksgiving yet. We'll set up the next day. No big deal. It was important to her. And it was something that we didn't have to say no to. So we said yes. So Ryan had to go to work the next day. Like, we went to church. Ryan went to work. I came home, and the kids and I cleaned the house to get it ready. So we cleaned the house. Ryan comes home. We'd gotten all the decorations out. I put the tree up, and then we decorated the house. Why? Because that was a time that we could say yes, and it was something that she thought was fun. It doesn't mean that I thought it was fun. I, I don't like that. Like I, I don't enjoy getting in the attic and getting out 15 boxes and then set everything up and then cleaning up. It, it's like that's not an, an enjoyable experience, experience for me. Um, it, it, at the same time, like she loves it, and so like one, make it fun, like suck it up, smile, and have a good time. So that's what we did. And we made fun memories. We love to travel. We love to take bike rides. We love to go on hikes. We love to watch movies and play games and cook meals and go to sporting events and do that all together as a family. So weekends, typically, we dedicate to, hey, this is family time. Like, Ryan and I don't take, like, guys trips and girls trips. Like, Ryan doesn't leave and go wherever to the beach with the girls. I don't go golfing with my buddies. We don't do that. And we, because, like, if that's what you do, that's great. Awesome. Like, go do it. If Recharge your batteries. Cool. We don't recharge that way we go hey we're like we're having fun now here in these moments this is what we're doing and then ryan and i will like if we're going to take a trip and the kids aren't going we're going together that's just how it works unless it's a work trip and then obviously that's different so and ryan travels enough <coughs> for that that it's okay we're good the the point is we try to have as much fun as possible with any moment that we can and and making sure even when like hey it's family game night your 13 year old girl will go no that's stupid cool put your phone up let's play anyways and sometimes we have to force that and and she always ends up like having a good time enjoying what we're doing it's just more work than our 10 year old who will be like hey do you want to he's like yeah wait what like he's all in she's always all out and we have to convince her and we do it anyways I'm going to read some more. Where are we at here? We found that our kids function better when we are really intentional with them and we're making quality time to invest being with them and present. It's one thing to be in the same room with your kids. It's completely different to invite them to make the cookies with you, to cook the popcorn together. Not microwave style. We don't do that. We have like the old bucket that, that like you pour it in, crank candle, heat it up over the stove. Cuddle with him throughout the movie uh, without having your phone in your hand. This is a challenge for Ryan and I because we work all the time, and a lot of our work is on our phone. We get up working. We go to bed working. We spend all day like working. Uh, again, everybody works. The beauty of owning your own business is the fact that it's all on you. If it doesn't get, if it doesn't get done, it's because you didn't do it. And I love the fact that at the end of the day, it's riding on us to get it done, and we're not dependent on anyone else to do it. Like That jazzes me. I wouldn't trade that, it's, but it also means that you have to fight the temptation to al allow that to invade 
our time with our kids. The thing is, money can always be made. It really can. Uh, that two hours of cuddling with my 13-year-old, that never comes back. When, when you can process through that and go, it's not just like it, this time is unpurchasable. And it's the only time it's here. And it doesn't come back. It, and again, money can always be made. Like There's always going to be a new venture, a new way to do something. You can lose money. It'll come. It'll go. You got to have it. And like, great. But these are the these moments don't come back. So we got to take advantage. Number two, we listen. Uh, can, kids are influenced by so many things. Their wants, their desires can change in a matter of seconds. They are all, they are kind of like we are. Yeah. We lose focus, we get distracted, and we're influenced by those things around us, <coughs> that th by those who are around us most, which means I want to be surrounded by people that I want to be like, and I want them to be, I got to read this, I want to be surrounded by men, I want to be like as much as possible, and then I want to be around my kids as much as possible. Why? Because I want to influence them more than anyone else. The way I know who's influencing them or how is by listening. Like the best thing that we can do to get a gauge on it is to listen to what's going on. The best way to listen is to ask questions and then stop talking. And then ask more questions and stop talking again. Example, how was your day? What was the best part? Who did you eat lunch with? Basic questions, you're going to get basic answers. You may have to ask more questions. For our daughter, she is highly emotional. And most of the time she has trouble remembering good things. And that then she just wants to talk about the drama and negative things. Fine listen anyways it's like my default is to be like stop the drama like you're giving me a headache i can't even track with it i'm dizzy now <laughs> from our discussion get over it and i th the best that i am or when i'm the best is when i just shut up and i listen and say things like I, like i'm sorry i know that was that was challenging i'm sure that was hard or babe that stinks or whatever it is and like literally just listen and like, you don't have to understand. You don't have to give wisdom and direction and counsel. And you don't have to fix the situation. You just got to listen. She even said this the other day. We were talking. And I think it was, I don't it was the day, the night before my birthday. And Ryan and I were tucking the kids in bed. And we're all laying <coughs> in the room together talking. And Ryan was like, hey, everybody say something you like about dad. Tanner said, like, I love the fact that dad listens to me sometimes meaning she is fully aware of when I am hearing what she's saying and she's fully aware of when I'm trying to fix it. So I need to, I need to shut up and listen more because she clearly already knows that. So have as much fun as you can, listen, and, and listen well. Like listen to them and res respond appropriately. You don't have to fix it. You have to listen. You have to hold them. You got to kiss them. And, and I'm trying to read the end of this. The listening, holding, and kissing, that all does really, that all does that really well. I need to do that more. I guess I'm trying to say that when I shut up and listen and just be dad, it's way better than when I try to give her wisdom. It's a big paragraph, and I'm trying to sum it up so we can move on. Number three, we take advantage of teaching moments. Teaching moments are not typically planned, or at least not in terms of, okay, kids, sit down because it's time to learn from dad. Yes, we do a nightly devotion time when we all sit down and read a chapter of scripture and pray together we actually have to start doing that again we've got off track on reading scripture we pray together but we need to go back to that but the legit teaching moments come in everyday life sometimes it's on the way home from a baseball game or a football game sometimes it's on the way to school when something comes up on the radio and we're discussing or our prayer time uh sometimes it's while we're helping 
then with her homework, a project, studying for a test, anytime I'm working on the car or a house project, it's a huge teaching moment to invite them in. We built this room and said, hey, they are going to paint the outside and we're going to pay you. So that's what they did. Are they great with paintbrushes? They weren't, but they're better now. And not only are they better, but like they painted it, they finished the job and we paid them for it. And that was a teaching moment in a time where we could have been like, no, dad'll cover it because like I have done most of the painting around here. <coughs> Instead of that, we said, no, like let's let them learn. If they mess it up, I'll fix it. Or if they mess it up, they'll fix it. So those are great teaching moments. Uh, I learned to work on cars because every time my dad worked on a car, I helped him out with it. And so I work on my cars most of the time. I typically don't take it to a mechanic unless it's a major issue. There are times when I should have taken it to a mechanic and I've torn it down to like the block and I'm like, crap, I screwed something up. But that's like I learned to do that because I was out there doing it. And uh, at <laughs> most of the time, I was a, this is what I wrote. I was a subpar flashlight holder that complained all the time about my lack of wrench time. <laughs> but that didn't stop my dad from allowing uh, the job to take an, to take extra time so that his son could could learn. And so I'm sure that I held up jobs and timing and made things not as productive, contributing as a mechanic. And I was still there all of the time. And my dad understood the idea that he wasn't raising a boy to hold a light. He was raising a man that wouldn't be afraid to tear apart an engine in his own garage with the tool set he gave me. That's a strong statement. I'm going to read that again. So this is something I learned from my dad. At the age of eight, other than hold... Wait, I'm going to go back just a little bit. I'm going to read this. Anytime working on a car or a house project is a huge teaching moment. I learned to work cars every on cars every time my dad worked on a car. I helped him out. At the age of eight, other than holding a light, I was not a productive contributing mechanic i was a subpar flashlight holder that complained all the time about my lack of wrench time but that didn't stop my dad from allowing the job to take extra time so that his son could learn my dad understood the idea that he wasn't raising a boy to hold a flashlight he was raising a man that wouldn't be afraid to tear apart an engine in his own garage with the tool set that he gave me i just told you a story about me tearing down a car to the block in my own garage because i wasn't afraid of it why because when i was eight i was in the garage with my dad like taking the teaching moments and that like there's a reason for that. Whatever you teach your kid is what they're going to do. And you like you are, I wrote one today about friends being a uh, huge influence or I dropped one today about friends being influences on our life, which is true from ne like when you're little to when you're dead, the people you're around, they influence your life. Your friends do. Your kids' friends influence their life, but you have a greater influence on the whole life. And I don't mean H-O-L-E, I mean W-H-O-L-E, the whole thing, you as a dad are the most influential human being in their life. And you, like, you seriously, like they're, they're either going to take what you teach them and they're going to like, they're going to do that or they're going to take what you did and be in therapy trying to recover from it for the rest of their life. And so it's like one or the other and sometimes it's both and it like you're not going to get everything right. And that's okay. Like, sometimes you're going to be really good at this. Sometimes you're going to suck at it. And at the same time, like, do your best. So I'm sorry, not ranting. Well, I am ranting a little bit. So we take advantage of the teaching moments. We listen to them. We have as much fun as we can. Um, we always say, will you please forgive me? If I'm being open and vulnerable here, which is, this is my site, so I guess I can do that. But being a dad can be insane. I don't always handle these times with the greatest of poise. In fact, it feels like I miss more than I make as of late. And that's not even... Uh, when there's an intense circumstance or a kid getting legit sick or some kind of life-altering event, it's just normal every day. I can completely fail as a father. 
what I do make sure to do is to ask their forgiveness every time that I don't dad the way that I'm supposed to dad. I've said this before, and I'm going to keep saying it. One of the most important things you can teach your son or daughter is to own their mistakes in their relationships. If you can teach your kid to say, every time they mess up, will you please forgive me for fill in the blank? You've given them a gold mine in their relational capacity. It's huge. There aren't a whole lot of people that can do that well. There are not a whole lot of grown men that can handle owning their stuff and apologizing for it appropriately the way that it should be done. That's the sentence. Will you please forgive me? Like I'm submitting myself to the fact that I messed up and I'm asking you for, I'm not telling you to give it to me and I'm not telling you that I'm sorry. I am expressing one, like I screwed up and not like it's up to you to extend forgiveness and I am, I am simply asking for it. I mean, it's a humble position to put yourself in and that is a humble statement to make. It's very difficult for a human being, especially a grown male, to say those words. If you teach your kid to do it, they'll do it. And the way you teach them to do it is by doing it. You, like they, you let them see you do it and then you do it with them. Like you tell them and then you show them and then you help them and then you watch them. This is like the basics of teaching things. Um, I'm going to pick up and read again. If I can teach my kids to evaluate themselves before they blame others, their ability to function in the world will be just fine. Conflict's going to happen, and we're going to make mistakes. I hate it when I do. It's convicting. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. But when I handle it appropriately, when we admit specifically, when I admit specifically where I am wrong and I ask somebody for forgiveness, and we give them the freedom and the environment to do the same. Like, I'm going to show you how to do it, and then I'm going to give you the freedom to function the same way. My son will do that. Hey, Dad, please forgive me for it, and fill in the blank. He'll say it because we showed him how to do it, and we like and we keep doing it. So ask forgiveness. Always say, will you please forgive me for it, fill in the blank. I want them to know that I'm proud of them. That's number five. I've heard it said that both sons and daughters need specific things from mom and dad. From mom, they need to know that she loves them. Um, the age-old saying of Jesus and your mom will always love you holds weight because it's true. And... Holds weight because he holds truth. I don't know what I'm trying to say there. It just does. And I think that needs to be edited. It's supposed to say because it holds truth. It just does. Uh, but <coughs> what we need from dad is to for to know that they're proud of us. <laughs> I tailed off. What we need from mom is love. What we need from dad is pride. And I don't mean dad needs to give you pride. Like dad needs to be proud of you and you need to know it. And uh, so I'm going to read this. My dad was legit amazing. Uh, I'm maybe a tenth of as good of a father that he was. I don't know that I have ever once in my life asked myself, I wonder if my dad loves me. Like, that's never gone through my mind. Not once. But I will tell you that I'm 38 years old when I wrote this. I'm now 39. I have two master's degrees. I've spent 13 plus years devoting my time and attention to the church. I've been in the gym consistently the last two decades of my life. And the root of it was, quote, I hope my dad's proud of me. Dad, when you read or hear this, um, weigh the next sentence heavier than the last. The number one thing I remember my dad saying to me over and over and over and over again throughout my entire life was, son, I am proud of you. He would say it, like he'd say it when he took me to bed. He'd say it, like, just randomly. I Seriously, the number one sentence that was said to me growing up from the age of zero to 18, and even after that, the number one sentence that was repeated in my life was, son, I am proud of you. To which I would typically respond, for what? And he would say, because you're my son. Like, that was it. If 
that we did a ton of stuff. Like I learned to work on cars. I learned to fix houses. I learned to build things. He comes down and we still work on stuff all the time. We played ball together. Like he taught me how to hit. He taught me how to throw. He taught me how to catch. He taught me how to run routes. He taught me how to tackle. He taught me how to all kinds of mess of things that we did came from my dad teaching me to do that. And the number one thing I remember him saying was, son, I'm proud of you. Why? Because that's like what we need from dad is to know that they're proud. My dad spent 38, I'm reading again, specific, uh, 38 years plus specifically telling me that he's proud of me and proud simply because I'm his son. The question that still rolls through my head, it, it like it's a question that still comes up. Like what I'm getting at right now is it, this is important. It's like the thing that we need from dad, approval, not because we've earned it, but because we are his. That's it. So I try to remind both my kids all the time that I am proud of them. We celebrate their success, not for me, but for them. I also want them to use them, those normal generic moments to let them know I'm proud of him or her because they're my kids. And I'm, I'm proud of uh, her because she's mine. I'm proud of him because he's mine. Uh, be proud of your kids for nothing else other than the fact that God gave them to you. And then tell them that until you've annoyed yourself with it and then do it again. Have as much fun as you can. Listen. Use the teaching moments. Say, please forgive me, and let them know that you're proud of them. Like, there it is, right there. There's your four steps to dadding. Uh, anyway, so I don't give a right, get it right. I don't give it right. I don't give it right. Sorry. I don't get it right every... I don't do everything right as a dad. Dear goodness, I can't even read a sentence. But I also don't do everything wrong. I want to get myself in as many moments as I can where I'm successful as a dad, and I want to ask forgiveness for every one of them that I mess up. If I can do those things consistently, then I'm doing the best that I can, and I, like I'm good with that. So, anyways, don't feel like a parent. I just feel like a grown-up who yells a lot. At the same time, we go back reflecting. Here, man, here are the things that are important. Here's what I'm invest in. Here's what I want to do. Here's how we try to do that. Those things have worked well for us and and been super helpful. So if you have a question, a thought, a comment, an argument, I'm happy to engage in a conversation with you. You can reach me at stellofellow at gmail.com. That's S-T-E-L-L-O-F-E-L-L-O at gmail, G-M-A-I-L.com. I am happy to respond. If you'll put the subject line, Casey, I'd like to talk to you about fill in the blank. I respond to that thing every time. So if you leave a comment, I'm going to respond. If you send a message, I'm going to respond. If you send a DM, I'll respond. If you somehow get my phone number and send me a text message and I don't have your number, I may or may not respond because I don't know who you are. And that just feels a little like, man, did I give that to you? I don't know. So uh, kidding. It, just say, hey, here's what I want to talk about. I wanna, I'll talk about it with you. So I'm really good with that. If you want to yell and cuss, do it. And if you don't, that, that's great, too. So thanks for joining us. Appreciate you being here and watching. Check us out on other podcasts and videocasts. You can see that on the podcast page under the link under StellaFellow.com. And uh, I don't know what I'm talking about next time. i got a couple of guests that are going to be on the show soon. i got a guy named Jeff, uh, Jeff Reed, who is with the Church Digital. We're going to jump on a podcast in the next couple of weeks. Excited about that. He's done a lot of work with churches online and uh, like like actual church services going, hey, we're utilizing the fact that we are online. So they're uh, digital campuses, and, and we're excited to hear more about what they've been doing, what they've seen, stuff like that. Um, trying to get a couple guys, uh, other guys on the show as well, friends of mine, pastors I know, and I uh, got to do a podcast yesterday with, uh, with this guy in Washington uh, who I met literally with some Facebook interaction. So if you know of anybody that you go, hey, this would be a great person to have on here to interview, to talk about church, faith, family, fashion, or fitness, that's awesome. We'd love to 
let, get the name and the contacts and all those things and, and be able to share. Now, if you want to be on the show, it depends on who you are. I'm kidding. Sort of. A little bit. But I mean, there's some qualifications. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just rambling now. Why? Because I need to turn the intro music back up because we're now leaving. Thanks again for watching or listening to the Stello Fellow podcast. Hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next time. Fading out the Andrew Holder EP. Check him out on Spotify, iTunes, or just stalk him on Facebook.